Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. It is Dana, and I'm coming to you with a solo episode. And I thought I would talk about what we see in an HR capacity with the small businesses that we work with. So if you're a new listener here, I own a human resources consulting company called Boss Consulting HR, and we explicitly work with small business owners. So we get to see HR programs be built, be fixed, and we get to see businesses grow and adapt and shift, and it's a really exciting kind of niche to be in. And what's nice about what we do, specifically working with small businesses, is that we are partnered directly with the business owners. So our client, the person that we report to, the person that we contract with, is the business owner. So we get to see a lot of different things that maybe you may not see if you work with a larger business. And so I thought I would share 10 HR concepts that I wish every business owner would incorporate into their business. And of course, this list is not all there is, right? There's lots more, and this list likely will change. But this is stuff that we see on a day-to-day basis with our clients that we, I think it would make business and employee relations and talent management better if we saw more of this being incorporated into what they do every single day. So the first, numero uno, is that culture is everything. I'm going to repeat that. Culture is everything. And if you are not setting your culture intentionally, you are going to let your employees set the culture for you. What does that look like? That might look like establishing some values or a mission and incorporating that into your onboarding. That might also look like the job descriptions that you write or the job postings that you write, making sure that your Culture is infused in those postings and those documents. But you really want to put some thought into it. You don't just want to say that your culture is to be the best employer or the best, you know, servicing company for HVACs, let's say, right? You really want to be intentional. What is important to you as a business owner when you started this business? What did you want your business to be? What did you want your business to look like? What did you want your competitive advantage to be? And that will then translate into your culture. How do you want employees to treat each other? How do you want employees to treat your customers? All of these things make up culture. So you definitely want to put some thought into it. And the second part of culture being everything is that don't be afraid to redirect. So if you started your company and you thought that you had established a culture that you were happy with and proud of, it's okay to redirect and shift and pivot with that culture. Let's say your industry has changed or your lines of business have changed and you might need to revisit that culture. It is absolutely okay. 
But if that happens, you still want to make sure that you're being intentional with it and putting some thought into it, or else your employees are going to write it for you. Okay, number two, hire slow. We see this, I think I've seen this probably for the entire duration of my career, where someone just wants a butt in a seat. They just need a warm body. They need someone behind that cash register or out on the floor bussing tables. This can only get you so far. And if you continue to practice hiring really quickly and not hiring the right people, it's going to continue that revolving door within your organization. Don't just hire another warm body just to have a butt in a seat. Take time with your candidates. If we go back to number one about culture being everything, the interviewing and hiring process is where you show candidates what your company is all about. So take time with them so that they understand what type of organization that they're potentially coming into and that you can also learn about them and if they're a right fit for that culture that you just established in in number one. So take it slow. Don't rush to hire someone. Don't hire too fast, but take time to find the right person for the role that is a right fit for your organization. Number three normally goes hand in hand with number two of hire slow, and that is fire fast. I'm not talking Hell's Kitchen reactivity and just walking in and saying, you're fired, right? I'm not, that's not what I'm recommending. (laughs) I'm saying that if something is not working, don't let that behavior continue if it isn't a fit for your organization. Be really timely with write-ups. Be really quick to address bad behavior or performance issues that are not a fit for your organization or for that culture that you established. Don't let things fester or go unaddressed. Because the problem with doing that is that your employees pick up on what behavior is okay. So if you're not addressing bad behavior or a bad employee, they are watching which will lead us to number six on the list. But they are watching and the message that they are receiving is that that type of behavior is okay. So if you have a situation where, let's say it's a new employee and they're just not working out, you have tried time and time again to train them, bring them up to speed, and it's just not a good fit. Don't try to force a square peg in a round hole. Move them on from your organization so that you can find the right person for that role. Okay, number four, I swear I'm going to get this tattooed on my forehead. If it isn't documented, it didn't happen. This means policies, procedures, standards, all of that, right? All of that is part of a, a normal expectation within an organization. But when you're having conversations with employees about negative things, so performance issues or um, maybe a performance improvement plan or tardiness or any of those negative behaviors that might be happening with you in your organization, 
In the eyes of many legal systems, if it is not documented, it didn't happen. And on the flip side of that, it's also really good to document positive things that happen in the employment experience. And some states regulate this, so you might exist in a state where it's actually required. Uh, We do business in Connecticut, which has the Personnel Files Act, which requires things like increases and schedule changes to be communicated in writing. But it's also really good to communicate that stuff in writing. And sometimes people get fidgety or uncomfortable about the idea of putting a documented conversation in the form of like a progressive discipline write-up. So if that's you, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't document it. I'm a big fan of if you're having a verbal conversation with someone, that you follow up that verbal conversation with an email that just says, to summarize our conversation and lay out the bullet points that detail what you just talked about. So if it's not documented, it didn't happen. Positive things, negative things, terminations, write-ups, raises, all of these things should be documented. There should be a paper trail. The other reason for this, and this is just, this is more of a personal philosophy that I have within my business, and I call it the if I die philosophy, and that's probably quite morbid, but I like to think about That's probably not the right phrase to say, but I like to think, you know, if I if something were to happen to me and I got sick or I could no longer serve in my capacity as an HR consultant or a business owner, could the business carry on? I think we all think that we are untouchable and that nothing bad will ever happen to us, but that's not always true. And so when you're putting these things in writing and there's a paper trail of actions, standard operating procedures, all of that, it allows the business, the customers, the clients to continue on if there was ever an issue with your presence not being there within the business. Okay, I didn't want to make this a super compliance-focused podcast episode. As a business, we are very compliance focused. And that's really the underlying um, concept of everything that we do in the consulting company. But I had to include one. And so that's number five. And that is that salaried does not mean exempt. So this comes from the Fair Labor Standard Act, which is a federal law. Some states have their own Fair Labor Standard Act. And We see a lot of times that business owners will designate a position as a salaried position because they want it to be salaried or because the person wants it to be salaried, and they're not following the guidelines of the Fair Labor Standard Act overtime exemption laws. As a business owner, you are expected to follow the laws, and that means that you should familiarize yourself with the salaried exemption, specifically the duties test. You can't just slap the title of a salaried exempt position on any particular role within your organization. So I wish more business owners 
would familiarize themselves with that particular piece of law so that they could understand what they're doing when they are assigning a position to be salaried and whether or not that position is salaried exempt or salaried non-exempt. If you've attended any of our management trainings at Boss Consulting, we like to talk about this next one. So number six is that perception is everything. In the training, we often say that everything you do sends a message. And what we mean by that is that as a business owner or a manager or a leader or anyone in a supervisory capacity, employees are always watching. So If you're having a bad day, they're watching you have that bad day. If you treat a customer poorly, they're watching you treat that customer poorly. If you're having a good day, they see that too. Your employees will form their own perception of you or situations if you're not conscientious of how you are showing up at work. And we are not going to get it right every single day that we show up in the office or on the job site or anything like that, right? We are human. However, you do want to have a general awareness of how you as a business owner, leader, supervisor are showing up at work. Number seven is to train for skill. When I used to work in hospitality, I think our tagline was, we hire for personality and we train for skill. And I wish more organizations and companies were open to this idea of hiring the right person, right? The right personality, the right baseline, maybe education or experience, and then training for the skill that they need. And it's going to be rare that you're going to find the perfect candidate, but if you're open to hiring the right person who might need more training or some training, it often results in the best hire. So I like to think about when I'm recruiting, what is an what is the trainable skill or what are some trainable skills that this position or this candidate should have? And is the client, the manager, the employer willing to hire someone that maybe doesn't have that skill set because they can train them on it? I'll give you a perfect example. We have a client that is a medical office, and we often get candidates, particularly for the medical reception role, patient coordinator role, who don't have medical field experience. So therefore, they don't have experience using an electronic medical record system. However, they might have customer service experience. So this is a great example of when you're recruiting saying, okay, if I can hire someone who knows how to speak to people, who's not afraid to speak to people, who's warm and friendly and inviting, and then I can train them on that electronic medical record system, That will allow me a larger pool of potential candidates, and I can train someone specifically on the system in how I want them to be trained. One caveat to this is that you do want to think about what is something, when you're thinking about the training, is it something that is time intensive? So is the the skill something that requires six months, eight months of training, or is it something that is a quick training? This idea or this philosophy of training for skill 
isn't really the best when you have to hire uh, or if there's a skill that requires a lot of training, but it's good if there's a system or a platform or a procedure that can be a quick training, you can hire the right person and train them on it versus looking for someone that has the specific skill out in the market. Number eight is that you have to say no. If you're a leader, if you're an HR If you're a business owner, your role is required to have difficult conversations. So you have to get comfortable with saying no. You have to get comfortable with delivering bad news. I get asked often, you know, when I have to terminate someone, does it ever get easier? No, it's not fun telling someone that they're losing their job. However, it has to happen in many circumstances. And so I have to get comfortable with saying, no, you cannot stay employed at this company anymore. Or no, we cannot extend that additional leave of absence for you. Or no, we cannot give you that raise. You have to get comfortable saying no, delivering a message that they don't want to hear, and sometimes disappointing people. It will ensure consistency of your culture and your policies. It will make sure that you are practicing your employee relations fairly and equitably. You cannot be everyone's friend. And if you are, you're doing it wrong. Number nine is that money is not the only source of motivation. So if you are a fan of TED Talks, I highly recommend that you go and watch Dan Pink's TED Talk, um, his theory of motivation. And what he says is that if you take fair wages off the table, that if you're paying people a fair, reasonable wage, people, employees, are motivated by three things. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So we often assume that a raise or a bonus is going to incentivize someone to do something different. And that is not always the case. There's lots of research that supports otherwise. So as a business owner, what that requires of you is to get to know your employees about what motivates them and then get creative about how to encourage and incentivize the certain behaviors that you're looking for. Okay, last But not least, and it's actually not the last one because I have a number 11, but number 10 is a piece of advice that I got early on in my career by my dear friend and mentor. And I think she said this in probably my first human resources class, but she said that people want to do well. Most people want to do well. It is the rare human that comes to work and wants to fail. So as a business owner and as a leader within your organization, if you have that philosophy, you start to look at things from a different lens. So let's say, for example, someone is struggling with their performance. The question then becomes, is it a training issue? Is it a environment issue? Is it a personal situation issue? So is something happening in their personal life that's influencing their work? It keeps you from looking at 
things from a very linear lens, right? When we have employees, they come to work with a variety of different influences and things that make up who they are. And when you approach things with the idea that everyone wants to do well, or most people want to do well, it allows you to tackle the program, the, the problem um, a little bit more uniquely than just assuming that someone is intentionally screwing up or common sense isn't common sense anymore, right? So approach things with this idea that most people want to do well. Most people want to succeed in a role. It is the rare human that does not want that. And those people shouldn't be in your organization. If you go back to number three of firing fast, those people that are intentionally not wanting to do well, move them out of your organization. But look at things from a different lens when you start to adopt the mindset of that most people want to do well as an employee. Okay, number 11, I told you there was an extra. This philosophy is more for the HR professionals in um, our listenership. And I call it boots on the ground management. And what that means is that as a leader, HR professional, manager, payroll person, it is highly impactful when you are out and about with your employees. Be visible to them. Walk around your plant or your office when you get in. Check in with people. Have a visibility that exists other than just sitting behind your desk and waiting for people to come to you. So I call that boots on the ground, number 11. So a little extra one for you. So those are our 11 HR concepts that every business owner should incorporate in their day-to-day. I'd love to know if you have any other ones or any other recommendations that you would add to the this list or any ones that you don't think should be on this list. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we are on Instagram and Facebook at Quirky HR Podcast. And we will catch you on the next episode.